0: Be seated. Well, good morning again. I'm not usually up front this much, am I? To say good morning all the time. Uh, we're continuing through 1 Corinthians. And the beauty of God's word is that when, when we study it, when we are, uh, put ourselves underneath it, he deals with real-life things. We've been wrestling with, or maybe I should say Paul has been teaching the, the Corinthian church, the believers in Corinth. He's been teaching them what it means to be faithful followers of God. They've, the, the Roman society that has been around them has slowly seeped its way into the church he's recognizing that he's seeing that and he's calling them out they're they're struggling to be faithful and so he's he's trying to encourage them okay so you're believers you're saved you are children of God but now you need to act like it and so then he starts to lay out uh, different scenarios that they've asked about uh, some later on and we get get uh, deeper into it he may be bringing his own thoughts into it as different situations in particular situations but overall the 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 main goal of what he's trying to teach the church and what through Paul God is trying to teach us deals with one flee from sexual immorality but to use your body or to use your body in order to glorify God and that's not just uh, we, we've dealt with Man, we, we we've dealt with a lot of different issues, <laughs> a lot of hard issues, uh, church discipline, uh, sexual immorality, homosexuality. We've dealt with marriage and using using sex as a weapon in a marriage, and what does God really intend that intend that for? Uh, we're we're dealing with with singleness now and widowhood. Later on, we're going to talk about food. <laughs> I mean, He's laying out all of these different things, and the beauty of being underneath God's. God's Word is, again, He deals with practical things. Now, it's a different culture, it's a different time, and it may be applied differently. But what a joy for us to have the Word of God standing before us, or sitting before us, we're able to read it, and then we're able to understand it because the Spirit is with us. And so, as we deal with this, if you're like, well, I'm not married, so I don't need to listen to it, or, you know what, I'm married and I'm not single, so... I don't have to listen to this. Um, I'm going to say this a couple times probably today during during the message, but it, this actually is not about singlehood and marriage. There's something deeper going on. there's something deeper Paul is trying to get across. You see, we worship a sovereign God. he knows all things, he moves all things, he controls all things, and he uses all things in this world to accomplish his desires and his goals and He never makes a mistake, meaning that whatever condition he assigns us in his life, this is from last week, wherever he has placed us in in our lives, if we're single or married, if we're dealing with hardships, if we're not dealing with hardships, the condition in which he has assigned us in in this life as his people, as believers in Jesus Christ, and we're not talking about unbelievers— He is at work to accomplish his desires and to glorify himself through us. So, for instance, if you're single and you want to be married and you're frustrated that you're not married and God isn't bringing the man or the woman into your life in order to... You can lose sight of the fact that God is in control. And the life that he has for you right now is exactly where you need to be. Are you towards the end? of of your life here on earth or you've been married for 50 years and your body just hurts all the time and it's frustrating God has put you in the place where you are for a specific reason to glorify himself to accomplish his desires where he has you as his people as his people our lives are not to be lived in the here and now, in the, in the sense of we keep our eyes on eternity. We live what we, we live our life now in light of the reality that we will have eternity and everlasting life with him. The things of this world will pass away, and so we should keep our hearts and our minds set on the eternal life in which God gives to those who love him. But this doesn't mean that the things of this world don't matter. Instead, the things of this world, people, relationships, family, friends, co-workers, money, material possessions, marriages, singlehood, widowhood, they are all to be used to reveal the good news of eternal life through Jesus Christ alone. If we we get the attitude and we start to think of, well, the things of this world don't really matter, I'm just going to focus on eternity, And I could forget all of this physical physical stuff. Like, this world is bad, but God, the spiritual life, that's good. That's a heresy called Gnosticism. And that was talked about and condemned like 200 AD, okay? (laughs) Like, oh, all these physical things, they're all bad. No, what has happened is God created physical things for good. We've just messed it up with our sins. So what is good and right has been corrupted by us. And if you're like me, you get caught up in those things and those physical things start to become idols. And what God is saying, no, enjoy. Enjoy food, Mark. Enjoy it, but not too much. Not too much. Enjoy your family and your kids. Enjoy your work. Enjoy making money. Enjoy looking at your, your savings grow. Enjoy it, but don't make that your idol because it will fail you. Only I can truly satisfy you. Those physical things as believers are to draw us into worship and glory of our Creator. And So we have to make sure we keep our minds set on, on that. So how, how we use the things in this world does matter in eternity. But they are not our main focus. For the present form of this world will one day pass away. This world will one day end. And so as believers in Christ, it is important that we make sure that we have a proper view of life. That we see the world around us through the proper lens. Now, Paul begins, starting in verse 26, he begins with a phrase that can kind of catch us off guard when we're trying to think of, okay, proper view of life. What does that mean? And he says, says... I think that in view of the present distress. Now, what is this present distress? The beauty, some of the times it, it's, it's frustrating for me as I, as I study these things during the week. Um, and yet it's kind of amusing to me too because you'll pick up a commentary because you'll be like, well, what kind of distress? And usually the commentators will lay out all these different things. The, some of the things that I read, what is this present distress? I read that it was a famine that ravaged over the region during the time that Paul wrote this letter, others think that the number of Christian Christians eligible for marriage were few and far between, and so the Corinthians, Paul was teaching the Corinthians that marriage should be avoided, and or they're teaching that marriage should be avoided because there's just not enough people. So you just stay, st- you should just stay single. Now, that's fun. <laughs> it's also called speculation because we're not told. Because in the end, being 2,000 years removed from the situation in which Paul is writing, we have to rely upon the text itself to guide us. Was it a famine? Maybe. Were there few Christians? Probably. Is that what he means by this present distress? Well, if a text does not say, then we need to be okay with it not telling us the answers that we want and the answers that we desire because Everything that God desires for us to know is exactly written in the text. This is sufficient for us. So we need to let go of what we want and go, okay, so what is God trying to teach us? And it ain't about a famine. <laughs> it's about something deeper. And fortunately, I think Paul does give us a hint as to the meaning of what he means by this present distress. And we find it in verses 29 and 31 He says the appointed time has grown very short for the present form of this world is is passing away. So in other words, the day of Christ's return is closer each moment, each day. It's not going further away. We're getting closer and closer to the second coming of Christ. And so when we read Paul's words in light of this truth, things begin to become a bit clearer for us, um, though we still don't know the specifics And they're difficult for us to nail down. He does give us a general answer, and he starts to talk about betrothed or engaged people, and single people, and widows. Are you bound to a wife? Are you engaged to a woman who will one day become your wife, or engaged to a man who will one day become your husband? Well, don't seek to be free. Don't break off your engagement. Are you single? Are you free? From any sort of engagement well don't seek a wife in paul's opinion but if you do seek a wife and you do get married or if you seek a husband and you get married you haven't sinned and if a woman seeks a husband you haven't sinned marriage or singleness isn't what should concern the corinthians though instead How they live their lives in view of Christ's return is far more important. In other words, don't get caught up in your singleness and marriage or your widowhood. That's not saying they're not important. I've been single before. I never want to go back there again. Because I love being married. Even with its difficulties. And yet I know people who are single, and they love being single it. For the glory of God, right? Who whistled? Who was that? For the glory of God, right? It happens, right? But the question is, is wherever you are, and you're going to hear this a number of times throughout this, what Paul's trying to get at is where, where you are in your life, are you married, are you single, are you widowed? Are you living your life in view of Christ's return because it's coming soon? The appointed time has grown short. The days leading up to Christ's return are coming fast. And so he's telling the Corinthians, evaluate how you're living your life now. And so then at this point, Paul gives five contrasts, which at first reading can kind of be confusing. He says, from now on, from today onward, from this moment onward, those who have a wife should live as if they have no wife. Those who mourn as though they are not mourning. Those who rejoice as though they are not rejoicing. Those who buy as though they had no goods those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it now these phrases these words seem to contradict christ himself who commands us to mourn with those who are mourning to rejoice with those who are rejoicing so you're like what are you talking about paul and paul himself in the book of ephesians he writes that husbands are to love their wives as christ loved the church there's nothing but positive in those words about marriage but the bible doesn't contradict itself and so when we see something that looks like a contradiction we got to go hey there's something else going on here there's something else happening so let's look a a little bit deeper let's look at these five statements and let's actually look at them in context you know my favorite phrase a a text without context is a pretext for a proof text if you have a, a, a text of Scripture and you ignore its context, well, it's a pretext to make up whatever you want. You can say whatever you want about it. That is not—we don't do that with Shakespeare. We don't do that with other, other things in life. But context is vital, is it not? So let's look at the context. If you bring the context in, and what is the context here? The, second, the context is the second coming of Christ. The appointed time of his coming has come short, and so live your life in light of that. And for all five of these statements, the the first half points to the human tendency to focus on the here and now. Do you have a wife? Do you have a husband? Are you buying goods? Then love and cherish your wife and your family. Sacrifice for them, but do it in light of the reality that when Christ come the marriage relationship between you will end and your focus will be on your true spouse jesus christ are you are you buying goods okay buy goods that's fine but you need to have the reality that those goods are going to one day burn up and be made new are you mourning or rejoicing over the things of this world Set your eyes on Christ's return, for, for all that is mournful will one day may be made right, and all that is joyful will become sour compared to the joy that we will experience in the presence of God. So, again, here you say, don't ignore the things of this world. You, you need the things. We got to eat to live, right? <laughs> we need relationship, we've been created for relationship. But keep them in perspective. Have a proper view of your life. This is why he says he desires for them to be free of anxieties, specifically the anxieties of this world. For as Christ has said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing for the Gentiles seek after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all but seek first now here's a perspective like this is you're anxious about the things of this world and then there's that that word but right the strongest word in scripture it does such a shift are you anxious are you worried about the things of this world but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek his rule. Seek his goodness. Seek his desires. Seek his wants. And all of these things will be added to you. All of these worldly possessions, all the joy that you receive in these worldly possessions are going to be added. But you've got to seek first the kingdom because if you're not seeking the kingdom, you're not going to get the kingdom and you're not going to get the world. You will get only eternal punishment in hell away from God's grace and away from his mercy. The present form of this world is passing away. It will end and so have a proper view of your life and live in light of eternity. Don't be anxious about your life. Is it a sin to marry? No, Paul says. Marriage is a wonderful gift from God, but one who is married has the added anxiety of worldly things, that is, of a spouse and family. When I come home from work, what do I do? I I need to care for my family. I need to help my family. I I walk into the house, I know if it's been a good or bad day. I know if I'm going to have to do some counseling sessions. I get it. That's, that's that's life, right? If you're married, you have that added, but added added worry and anxiety. Does that make those things sinful? No. So if you're if you're a young person and you're like, "Well, I don't want to get married if it's going to be hard." Well, everything that's hard it, is that's good for you is hard, right? So don't hear me say marriage is bad. Marriage is it's awesome. But it comes with the an, uh, added responsibilities, the added. Issues and concerns, but what about being single? Is it is it a sin to be single? No, in fact, being single means that you you are anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. He says, how to live a life of glorifying God. Now, none of this is said, he says, to an ins- in order to restrain people from marrying. I'm not telling you this, guys, so that you won't get married or. That you will get married. I'm not going to put any restraints upon you. My desire, Paul says, is for you to live your lives through the proper lens. To have the appropriate and undivided devotion of the Lord. That's verse 35. Yes, those who are married have their interests divided between the spouse and God. But that does not mean that they are unable to devote themselves to the Lord. Or to devote their time with their family to the Lord. To be married means to do well. But to be single is even better because there is more time in life that is able then to be devoted to living for the Lord. Now before, again, anybody says, well, then I might as well stay single because then I can devote myself to the Lord fully and I don't have the responsibility of family and I can just focus just on God. Now in a real world, you may think that that's what's going to be. But also, when you're single, you have a lot of free time. How much of that free time are you spending devoting it to the Lord? Ah, so now it's getting real. My my thought is that people avoid marriage nowadays, and maybe they've always done this through all, all of history, because, well, I don't want to have that responsibility, and I want to be able to do what I want to do. And what God is saying here is, no you are called to devote yourself undividedly to the will and to the desire of glorifying God and fulfilling what He calls us to. Because every Christian, now remember, he's He's speaking to Christians here, every Christian will be held accountable according to the life given to them by God. This means that how I love and I care for my wife and my family how I, and how I serve the Lord is going to be through those things is going to be judged by God. And it also means that any extra time that a single person has because of their interests aren't divided by a spouse and by a family. They too will be judged by God. The real question has to be asked because that could be depressing, right? Yeah, I'm just I'm really doing a bad job. And God's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know you better than you know yourself. Yes, you need to grow in this. But the real question, Mark, the real question that you have to ask yourself is, am I properly devoting the, li- devoting the life given to me by God to the work and the glory of God? So when I enjoy myself and I've got free time, is, is it, maybe a good way to say it, is this, Increasing my love for Christ? Is this actually growing my relationship with Christ? Is this bringing other people into a deeper relationship with Christ? Or is it causing pain and sorrow and anxiety and sadness and frustration? Is it leading me away from Christ? We have to be careful at the same time not to lead towards legalism, that if If I devote all of my life then to the Lord, then he's going to be pleased with me and he's going to accept me as his child. He's going to give me eternal life because I've done everything he asked of me. And the reality, again, that's a heresy. That's false. Because reality is, is we cannot obey God perfectly. We cannot fully devote our lives to God in our own power. Because as we said in the beginning, the things of this world, we corrupt them and they tend to become idols to us. They take the place of God in our lives. And to think that if I could just obey Him as best as I possibly can and then He's going to be happy with me and He's going to be satisfied and He's going to give me eternal life is a lie. Because eternal life with God is only given by the grace of God to those who confess and repent of their sins against God. To have belief and faith in Him that He and his work is enough to save me. And when you realize that eternal life cannot be earned and eternal life with God cannot be bought, it drives us to a deeper love of a God who is loving us when we don't deserve to be loved. Now, that's, that's not a popular statement. We like to feel good about ourselves. And I tell you, as a Christian, that makes me feel so good that god loves me despite me that he knows my heart he knows how much i've disobeyed him in the past he knows how much i'm going to disobey him in the future and his love for me never ends because he saved me he's he's bought me back from sin and death he has he has purchased me he bought me at a price of his son and there is nothing i can do that can destroy the work of christ he has saved me. He has made me His son. He has made you His son and daughter. And that adoption is never annulled. And He knows the deep, dark recesses, recesses of our heart, and He loves us still. And yet, that does not mean that I can, you know, do whatever I want or go to the other uh, other side of um, legalism to say, well. Okay, then I'm going to teach that if you're just a good person, then God will save you. No. He saves by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And so the Christian, when we are adopted, we are a child of God. We strive to live a life of devotion. Why do we not cease coming together as God's people? Why do, we know, why do we gather on a regular basis? Why do, we, why do we watch the Super Bowl that nobody cares about? It's not about the Super Bowl. It's about us sharpening each other and loving each other, worshiping together. The songs that we sing, the prayers that we give, the scripture that we read is not about us. It's about glorifying the God who saved us and realizing that, man, we're, we're all in probably in bad places. We're all kind of messed up. But we all, as God's people, understand that that's not what it's about. It's about the greatness of our God, not, not me. Not me. We strive to live our life in full devotion and honor and worship of God because He saved us and we love Him for it. And that love drives us a little bit at a time each and every day to become more loving and more patient with one another. When we are married, those who are married, those who are single, and then he goes to the widows, it's, all, it's, it's the same. It's the same teaching. Is it a sin for a women, a, a widow to remarry? No but it is important that if that widow should remarry, that he says it's it's only in the Lord. That is, that they must not be unequally yoked to an unbelieving spouse. Marriage to a believing spouse, and this is true for, for singles too, okay? You don't want to do missionary marriages. Very difficult. God can work through them, praise the Lord. Not what it's meant to be. Marriage is, it, it can it, God can work through a, a godly uh, spouse to show the gospel message, and we've we've dealt with that in the last couple of chapters. Marriage to a believing spouse is difficult, and divides one's own interest. How much more so marriage to an unbelieving spouse who doesn't love God? So, are you a widow? I'll even say I, I'm not adding to scripture here, so. That, that, Are they are you single? And you desire to be married and you find someone who, man, I I kinda like this person, and you get to know each other. Number one question you have to say and ask yourself is Are they a brother or sister in Christ? Do they love God? Because if they don't, then they will not be devoted to living and striving to live out faithfulness to God. It's just not in their nature. It's not what they would do. So what does this teach us for today? In general, we who are Christians are to have a proper view of our life. We shouldn't live for the things of this world because they will one day pass away. Instead, we are commanded to live a life in view of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The days are short, guys. The days are short. How would we live our life differently today if we knew that he was coming tomorrow? I wrote that question down and I stopped. And I was like, that is super convicting. That is super convicting. How would I live my life differently today if I knew that he was coming tomorrow? That is the proper view of every single moment, of every single day as God's people. He commands us to devote our lives to Him, lives of faithfulness and obedience to His desires and His will. Are we anxious about the things of this world? Are we anxious about marriage, singleness, or widowhood to stay in the context? Well, God did not make a mistake by assigning you the life that you are living today. And so wherever God has you right now, glorify Him in your body, strive to devote all of your life to Him. Are you married? Then serve and love and care for, sacrifice yourself for the sake of your spouse and family, just as Christ did for the church, and devote yourself to the Lord wherever He has placed you. Are you single? Man, what an opportunity you have to work for the Lord because you aren't divided between God and family. And so devote yourself to him wherever he has placed you. Do you desire to be married? Man, then with all your heart, seek a wife or a husband who loves the Lord and devote yourself to the Lord, to God. Are you a widow? And Devote yourself to the Lord and seek to serve him see, Paul's point is not about marriage, singleness, or widowhood. It's about about appropriately devoting ourselves faithfully to God wherever and through whatever life he has assigned us. Enjoy the things of this world. Enjoy your spouse. But keep your perspective and your eyes on eternity. Turn your gaze to him. And one of my favorite hymns, Maybe you know this one. Turn your your gaze to him. Turn your eyes upon him. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The things of this world that we hold so dear and cause us so much consternation. When we turn our eyes upon Christ, when we look at what he is, what he's done, yes, but who he is as our God, it truly does make the things of this world just fade into the side when we look at his greatness and his glory and his abundant grace for us as his people. That should drive us to strive to live for him and to keep our eyes set on what is right. Amen. God, it's, it just feels like every week these words, they're so simple and yet they are so difficult for us as your people. We get so caught up in the things of this world. God, we we, we lose sight of eternity. We struggle with Struggle with the anxieties and the sorrows of this world. So help us as your people to keep our perspective, to keep our eyes on you, to know that you will bring us into eternity. The things of this world will one day pass away. But until that day comes, until you call us home, we are to live lives of obedience in the here and now, using the things of this world to glorify you. To devote ourselves to your praise and worthy, worthiness and your honor and your glory and your power. Help us, God, to be known as a people who have a singular focus on you. And those days, Father, that we struggle, where we lose sight of eternity, remind us and bring us back to who you are. Draw us back to you, Father. Draw our gaze back to you and help us to find joy in living a life of devotion to you alone. We ask this in your name.